It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by realtor and loan officer, Stephanie Welter. Stephanie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. We've had the chance to get to know each other a little bit better, and it's just been, you're just an amazing person with a great personality, so thank you. Likewise. (laughs) You always surprise me with what you come up with, and just before we started the interview, he was showing me these backpacks he's made for the the homeless, and um, they've got weather-protected blankets and things like that, and, you know, the mission behind this place is just incredible. So thank you, Tony. Thank you, and obviously made possible by by your support, too, so I appreciate <laughs> that. But let's get into it. You know, you're originally a Chicago girl, right? I am. Through and through, north side? Yeah, born and raised in Jefferson Park. Um, that's on the northwest side of the city. It's yeah. just about as far northwest as you can go before you hit, you know, Niles, Skokie, Des Plaines, that sort of area. So Tell me about what life was growing up, especially since you have that contrast now, living up uh, up north. Yeah, so I grew up on a very residential street. Um, you know, there was, we called ourselves the Cobra Club. <laughs> it was me, my brother, my sister, um, our friend across the street, Johnny, down the street, Billy. Um, you know, just the, the group of us, we're all still friends and... Grew up playing Kick the Can and uh, a game called Cheese, Ghosts in the Graveyard, um, running through alleys, you know, riding your bikes, you know, around the block. And, you know, we were allowed to go as far as the busy streets. So you can go to Gunnison or you can go to Higgins, but you can't cross them. Um, (laughs) It's like living the true city life. Yeah, it was just a very residential, comfortable upbringing. My father was a police officer. Wow. My mom was kind of a stay-at-home mom, but she also um, ended up teaching at our grade school. She was a gym teacher. Wow. She was our softball coach. She coached volleyball. My mom is like the best person in the world. This whole podcast should be about my mom. (laughs) So a huge influence for you? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, she is um, like pure positivity. I don't think I've ever seen my mom stressed out or upset unless, you know, there's a very good reason. And she always says, like, her motto is, I know a bad day and this ain't one. And she she would not like me saying the word ain't because she's very (laughs) grammar conscious. But that's her saying. And she, I mean, she faced a lot of death in her immediate family at a very young age. And so I think she took that and instead of making it a negative thing in her life, she spun it to positivity and like my entire upbringing was just very happy and you know you're driving in traffic but she'll notice like the little flower growing out of the expressway and you know that that's her and so yeah I had a really really pleasant childhood and get along with my sister and brother and we're still very close and still close to my parents yeah that's amazing it almost seems like through I mean just to hearing you say that, that 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 loss that one experience you know through your mom to it, it, it changes the narrative. Like she, be, it almost seems like she's more appreciative of those smaller things that mm-hmm. sometimes we take for granted when we have everything, right? Exactly. Yeah, she completely formed my mindset, which I I call it the deathbed theory. And it's you know, every day I picture you know if if I was on my deathbed, I would look back on today and just I just want one more normal day, just one more day of my toddler crying and getting mm. you know syrup on my good couch. You know, because that's that's life. That's what it's all about. And 
you know, you're going to look back one day and, you know, the things that you complain about now, they were nothing. They're, they're, they're your life, every little moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and as far as like growing up, obviously, you you know, we all face challenges of different kinds and I'm sure you, you had your own. Mm -hmm. What was it like with that kind of perspective and that, you know, that kind of mom and that sort of encouragement and positivity when, you know, things didn't necessarily go your way or when, you know, it was more, a little more difficult to, to get through, uh, you know, a circumstance. Um, I think it was just a matter of coming up with a plan and making sure that you didn't let your emotions overtake the situation. So something could be negative and, you know, very objectively so, but how can I handle it? What, what is in my control versus what isn't? So obviously the negative situation is not, but the way you come at it is, and I use that to, to stay, you know, with real estate, there's so many variables that are out of your control and, appraisals go badly or, you know, clients are unhappy. And it's, it's so important to step back and deescalate and look at how can you solve a problem without using your emotions, you know, and and it's difficult to toe the line between that and being a robot because I am a very empathetic person and I do care very deeply about my clients and the problems are real, but you want to kind of stay neutral a little bit and, you know, be caring and empathetic, but also have an actual logistical plan. For sure, for sure. And, and the real estate's a little bit newer for you, right? It was not. It's not a career that you had right out of, you know, <laughs> out of school or anything, right? No, I I went from I went to DePaul in Lincoln Park, which nice. I absolutely loved. <laughs> um, I didn't know what I was going to major in, so I I was forced to choose a major in my junior year. So my counselor said, you know, you're. You're almost going to graduate. You have to pick something. And I was like, "Ah." so they looked at what credits I had and they said, "Okay, you've you've taken a ton of philosophy and psychology classes because I was basically choosing what interested me. And at the time, I was very much into Zen Buddhism. And interesting. um, Yeah. I do want to revisit that. So we'll come back to the the Zen Buddhist. But so so now you're looking at your your transcript, right? Yeah. And, you know, they said, you know, you've basically got a psychology undergrad here if you want it it's yeah. either that or um i think liberal arts or that it's part of liberal, liberal arts um communications maybe was the other option and i i said okay i'll do psychology oh you did yeah wow and it- so I, I majored in psychology um at the time i was working at a restaurant um sapori in lincoln park for sure for sure amazing handmade pastas you should go there everybody um <laughs> I worked there for 10 years, and during that tenure, I was offered a job by one of my um, old acquaintances from a previous restaurant that I worked at, which was um, S&G's, another great restaurant. But this woman was executive director of a nonprofit called the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. And so... Man, that's a a title to remember. (laughs) It is. A-C-O-E-P. So... While I was at Sapori, I also started working for ACOAP, and I did 10 years there. So not 10, like 20 years total, sure, but, sure, sure. you know, 10 and 10 for each. And um, when the things ended with ACOAP and I was kind of in between jobs and interviewing, I fell back on real estate, which is something that I've always wanted to do. Um, extremely passionate about it, like seeing houses, helping people, you know, take a obscure goal of... You know, whether it be a certain feeling, like for for example, when my husband and I were looking, we wanted to feel like we are camping all the time. Oh, really? Like that's something that you guys 
Oh yeah, we're we love looking for specifically that that feeling. Yeah, wow. we love camping. We love to sit around a fire. We love to be in nature, but we worked in the city, and so it was like, here's the problem. How are we going to solve it? Yep. How far can you go? What train lines are there? And so we ended up in um, Ingleside, which is basically Fox Lake, and um, that's you know something the transition. That, it's a huge, a huge <laughs> culture shock moving from because you Chicago. both are from the city, right? Yeah, we both went to St. Roberts. That's um, awesome. You know, he went to St. Pat's. I went to Resurrection. Um, both from the Northwest Side. We knew each other from you know being kids. So, but we never, ever, ever thought we would date, let alone get married and have kids. Yeah, you guys have quite the story. Yeah, yeah, we're very, very lucky, and he's. Probably the nicest person I've ever met. And I think anyone that's ever met my husband would say the same thing. So, You're lucky. Um, yeah, well, it, it took a, a string of terrible relationships. And what I thought I was looking for um, sent me to therapy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was Which one... Which is not a bad thing, right? I mean, no, to go to therapy. I no, think, I think most people should go to therapy. Absolutely. I think it's so important to look at your life and your mindset and your ingratiated habits and say, like what am I doing? Step back and have an unbiased person talk to you and just say, okay, I'm noticing these patterns or, you know, you know, these are things that are troubling me. Why am I doing them? You know, and it's just someone to help you navigate life and mindset. And, you know, it could be negative issues, which at the time I had come off a very verbally abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was, feeling like my inner voice had turned into him. And so I was really hard on myself yeah. and it was just a horrible time in my life. And, and this th- is all during, I mean, still during your time when you were working, um, yeah, you know, at, at, at ACOAP. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I had a wonderful therapist named Doris. And at the time I was seeing her, Jim, my husband's name is Jim. Um, he was skiing in Vail and had this epiphany on the top of a mountain that he, was like looking to be closer with me. I don't know exactly what triggered it, but he sent me a text message from the top of this mountain, like with his little ski gear on and just said, you know, I want to see you. I want to take you out to dinner. My 30th birthday was coming up. So he kind of spun it like, I want to take you out for your birthday. And this is someone that at this time you consider to be a close friend, right? Almost like a little brother type (laughs) because I was friends with his older sister. So it was kind of like I'd known him my whole life. We were always friends. And as we got to be in our 20s, it was, you know, that age gap goes away. And so we were friends. And so when I got the message, it was kind of like, okay, like, this is nice. Like, yeah. And so we went out to dinner and. Um, he actually took me to see Anthony Jeselnik, which I'm a huge, huge Anthony <laughs> yeah. Jeselnik fan. Uh, he's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Very dry sense of humor. And just, yeah. yeah very Terrible man. Yeah. Terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we love stand-up comedy. And over the first dinner, we it's were funny, talking. funny. I just went to stand-up comedy last night. What uh, did you see? So it was um, the Laugh Factory, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Laugh Factory. Belmont. Yep. Yep. And um, just a bunch of. I mean, it was like a hodgepodge of. Uh, oh yeah, like they do rapid like fire. The, that's fun. It was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But awesome. I'm sorry, but but you were Don't saying so, yeah. <laughs> so you went to Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah, and um, we had dinner at Cafe Orchid, and during the dinner, he mentioned how he has a kayak, and you know, kayaks the Chicago River, and I also had a kayak, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we live in the city. Not that many people own their own kayak, no, let alone I've never use even them. Been kayak. It's amazing, and so like I I remember thinking like, huh. Like, we kind of grew up to be similar people. Like, we yeah. both like stand-up comedy. We like kayaking, 
you know, a good head on our shoulders. We both had good careers and, but we both liked to have fun too. Like it wasn't like, it seems like a lot of similar values. Yeah. I core mean, values yeah. were there. Yeah. Um, but I still was like, like, I didn't know, are we friends? You know, am I sister? Like what is happening? And so through therapy and talking with Doris, she's like, this is a really nice guy. Like, like what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, Jimmy, like, no, <laughs> not Jimmy. Like, and she, you know, kind of opened that, you know, mental door. And I was like, I saw him as Jim Welter, like yeah. the grown up man. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so now during this time, was this when you started kind of uh, pursuing the, the Zen Buddhism? Or, you know, because I was in college, right? You had already yeah. kind of started these, these practices or seeking this. Yeah, I think it was. I like the idea of staying in the moment. Hmm. And that's something that I'm actively working on. Like I've got my 12 week planner out there right now. And if you look at my, I always do like a, it's not a vision board cause it's not pictures, but a vision of what I want the next sure, 12 weeks sure. to be. And repeatedly cycle after cycle, I want to stay in the moment. So if I'm with my kids, I want to be focused on my kids. Like you know, if he's playing with dinosaurs, I want to be in that land with him, in that mm -hmm. mindset with him. I don't want to be on my phone. Yeah. So like if I'm sitting here talking to you, I don't want to be thinking about what I'm going to be doing after this. And it even went so far as to like, I'm working out with a trainer now, trying to get my you know body back after having a baby. It's amazing. Um, You're doing all the right stuff. Thanks. So it, it escalated to being mindful while exercising, which I have never been able to do. I am a, an athlete through and through. I played very competitive volleyball and I always hated working out like through all of the training. Oh all God, I mean, I and I did it my whole life. I would be looking at the clock and, you know, counting down the reps and just, nah, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Now I found a way to exercise while being in the moment. And it's like, I don't hate it anymore. And I like, I'm, I'm breathing deep through my nose into my stomach and then exhaling through my mouth. And I'm, you know, not looking at the clock. Like there was one point where my trainer was actually, we were doing a wall seat and anyone who's played volleyball knows what a wall seat is. Mm -hmm. And he's showing me the clock and I just close my eyes because I don't want to look at it. I just want to feel that muscle. Yeah. And so when I think of Buddhism, I think very much of just mindfulness yep so and i mean it seems like well you know, you've had a lot of kind of well these patterns right like where your mom you know take this approach of hey let's step back let's look at the problem you know and then you know that the challenges that, that you've presented with do you think that that was something that at any point whether that you know before this before you started being more mindful that it was a struggle to be like that you found yourself being distracted and saying wait a second i have mm -hmm. to take a step back and then you know look at this when did that kind of epiphany happen for you so I was like a multitasking queen. Like I, like all through high school and, you know, college, you know, I was able to do everything at once and all, you know, but you, you find like the root of anxiety comes from, I don't say multitasking per se, cause there is a mindful way to multitask. And I, I do it in the morning. Cause when you have little kids, you kind of sure, have to, sure, yeah. but as long as you're staying in the moment and like right now I'm doing the, the, the baby bottles for daycare while I'm, the toast is going for Julian and this and that. And which means also that you're not thinking about anything else, right? You're just thinking about that one thing. Yes. Gotcha. And so I guess I, I don't know the exact moment I pinpointed that anxiety is caused from that, but 
I noticed it today. Like even while I was getting ready, my son was taking a bath and he was like doing like the, the stopper for the water on and off. And I'm, I was doing my makeup and I was like, all of a sudden I felt super tense and I had to just step back. And I was like, why do I feel anxiety? And it was because I didn't identify that it was that noise that was bothering me. And as soon as I took myself back, identified the noise, I was like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Like, it doesn't actually bother me. It was just that I hadn't identified it. Sure. So it's, you know, it's really easy to stop a panic attack or an anxious moment just by stopping and just being like, okay, like, what, why is my jaw tight? What was I just thinking about? Interesting. Interesting. You know? It's almost oh, like, that. yeah, it's like catching the symptoms, right? Like you didn't know you were doing and then all of a sudden you become aware of it. And yeah. you're taking a step back and asking, why am I, I doing I just this? remembered the moment. Oh, yeah? <laughs> tell me, tell me. I forgot and I just remembered it as I said that. So I was on a trip to, like I was doing Route 66. Nice. This was after the bad breakup. I bought a convertible. I'm going Route 66. <laughs> I'm camping along the way. and That's amazing. Thanks. But like I was feeling anxiety Mm. and I remember I'm driving and I was like white knuckling it. And it was like, I think I was on my way to like my second stop. And I'm like, what is going on? This is supposed to be like the most joyful, like free, you know, Route 66 in a convertible. Like, why am I like, and I like stopped and I was able to identify what I call the three gorillas. And so I named them that so that they wouldn't be as menacing. Yeah. And so the first one is worry. And so I think that that was the black. I have black, blue, and pink. And so worry is like thinking about the future, something that hasn't happened yet, that is not in your control, but you're like cycling through this thought process of like, you know, that's just one. It's it's spinning in the back of your mind. All of a sudden you see your, you know, white knuckling. That black gorilla is worry. Blue gorilla is guilt or like regret. So like, why did I send that email? Or is someone mad at me? Like that thing that I said before and like, oh, you're gripping. Oh my God. Okay. Step back. Identify the blue gorilla. And I picture them like dancing. And so like, oh, you get out of here. Like you silly guy, like go. And then the pink one is dopamine burst. And so change the radio station, have a snack, check my phone. You know, I feel like I have to do this thing. And there's always to like that. get something, right? Yeah, or, like or, the little burst of dopamine yep, yep. that you get from checking your phone or Facebook gotcha. or an right, email. Right, right. Or, you know, at the time it was the radio. I was like, I couldn't settle on a song. And I was just driving and it was like, relax, take a step back. And no right? one taught you this? No, no. Interesting. Because I, I mean, I read it in a book about giving those things names like yeah i've heard yeah Yeah. if you give it a name it takes away its power yeah but i gave it more than a name i made them into (laughs) gorillas (laughs) (laughs) so yeah just to picture like i i would start to feel like like i don't like this song and and i gotta switch it and i want this vibe and like it was taking me out of the moment yeah and into this spiral of like all of these things that were happening in my brain and so by identifying them and making them kind of silly characters, it helped me bring myself back to the moment. And like also like in a, a silly way. Absolutely. It should be silly. You don't want it to be so serious because now that's going to stress you out. Oh, and, and I guess as people are listening and watching, you know, what advice would you give? Because that's a, that's a prevalent 
you know, condition that we all kind of go through is this idea of, well, anything in the future or the past, right? If we're thinking about the future, we're worried about it. And if we're thinking about the past, like you said, there's regret and there's shame and there's Mm -hmm. guilt and all these negative emotions. What advice would you give for people that are listening that, you know, maybe can, can't figure out how to get past that? Uh, Just stop and identify it. And it takes time and practice. And it's not something like, like you can see, like sometimes I get stressed clearly, like I'm a human being, Of course. but it's a matter of controlling it. And every day, you know, it's a practice. Absolutely. And so when you start to feel stressed or you notice like a physical symptom, like, like your chest gets tight or your jaw, that's mine personally. I'm a tight jaw, tight chest person. When I feel those symptoms, that's when I'm like, okay, which gorilla is it? What is going on in the background that's bothering me, you know, and how can I just stop it and give it a name and then move on with my day? Yeah. And if it's a real problem, what is the plan to fix it? That was another thing that I thought was interesting. I watched a documentary called The Minimalists, Mm -hmm. and I very much love that mentality of like simplicity. And, you know, even Marie Kondo came in after that and like, does it spark joy? I try to keep my house as you know efficient as possible. But within the documentary, and obviously it's mostly focused on possessions, but there was one point where they were talking about mental baggage. And it was a guy that like famously had a panic attack while doing a news broadcast. And he went on to, I don't know if he wrote a book or whatever, but he was talking on, on the documentary about his epiphany was he was on the way to the airport and he's late for the flight and he's just cycling through this like sick feeling of like, I'm going to miss the flight. If I miss the flight, I'm going to miss the meeting. Da, 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 da. And it was a valid problem, but it was a problem that was out of his control. There was nothing he can do about it. And so he talked about like, what is the right number of times that you should think about something until you just let it go? When it's out of your control. And he was like, I think maybe it's eight. I think he said (laughs) it was some arbitrary number, but it was like, there's real problems in life. But like, are you making it worse by like cycling it and replaying it and replaying it over and over again? Absolutely. If there's no plan and you know, it just is what it is at a certain point, you just have to just be like, okay. Like, and that's, I mean, everything you're saying is there's a lot of wisdom. I mean, and a lot of truth that, that I truly believe in. Do you find that now as a result of kind of being this person that people are drawn to, you know, asking for your help or advice or, you know, do you find that with clients it turns into that a little bit? Like, or... I think anyone that knows me thinks of me as like, I, I don't know what the word would be, but like silly. <laughs> like the thought of my friends and family respecting me and asking for my wisdom, not so much. But... Well, maybe after this podcast, <laughs> they'll think differently about it because, I mean, yeah. they're, they're so... And, and, and it's mm-hmm. almost like a sad thing to see that if, if you think someone's like, like this, like it's silly, you know, something silly means it's trivial, means, you know, it doesn't have truth and it's really doesn't have merit. Right. Mm-hmm. But everything you're saying has so much merit that you're actually using that sense of humor, that sense of, uh, just comic relief almost, yeah, right? Comic relief is a huge, my sister does that primarily, but I, I do too. I think it's, I like, mean, you're doing that. You're doing like the, <laughs> the gorillas, right? Painting it in that way. Yeah. And, and what changes have you seen since then? Cause obviously, you know, you started a career, you've done all these amazing things. And I mean, just the person you are to be able to, to shine this way, but what more importantly for you changed the most that you go, I love this path I'm on and it's, it, it's motivating me. It's encouraging me. It's inspiring to not only stay on it, but dive deeper into it, which it seems like you're doing. 
Yeah, it's um, it's liberation. Yeah. It's it's the knowledge of I have a plan. I believe in myself, and I believe in this vision, and I'm not afraid to go after it. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of risk. I'm not afraid of embarrassing myself because if I embarrass myself, like that is ammo for my friends and family for the rest of my life. They can make fun of me. So like, like God forbid, you know, I do something stupid, you know, publicly, like who cares? It's not a big deal. Like life is short. And, you know, I, to go back to like the deathbed theory, like I'm not going to look back on this one day and be like, Oh, I wish I was 20 pounds lighter. I would just be like, man, I'm glad I had fun there. Like we all wish something you know i wish i had a little more money or was a little skinnier a little this a little that but like you can't take it so seriously that you're not enjoying your life like so that's to me the most liberating part is when i'm thinking about my future it's so exciting like i get riled up just picturing like planning travel with my husband and like the trips we're gonna take the things we're gonna teach our boys and like career-wise like where is it gonna go what kind of people am I going to meet? How can I help them? And, you know, my own personal goals, you know, like how far can I go? Like I'm seeing a a personal trainer a lot. Like now, can I actually get jacked again? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Go back to that athlete form, right? I don't know. Maybe I will. And it's just exciting and fun. And every step of the journey is life. You know, like I'm a huge Beatles fan. (laughs) Really? Oh yeah. And so I go back to, I mean, it's overused quote, but John Lennon, you know, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. And so so you just have to get out of the mindset that something next is what is important. It's right now is important. I love it. I love it. And if you're out there listening, I mean, I would encourage you to reach out to Stephanie. Obviously, she's a realtor and a loan officer, right? So there's that. But even just on the other aspect of, of who you are as a person, I think you have so much value um, you. you know, to offer her as a friend, as a, as a realtor, as a loan officer. Uh, but, I feel yeah. the same about you. Thank you. You're Thank a very you. interesting person, and I, I love getting to know you more and sharing these podcasts. I think it's going to be fun going forward. Likewise, likewise. <laughs> and yes, I'm excited to, to have you hosting and, and, you know, being a part of it and being a top 10 influencer as part Thank of the Face Travel business <laughs> and, you know, just getting to know you better as well. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing. And like I said, if you're out there listening, I would encourage you to reach out to Stephanie. There's a form uh, below that will get to her directly. But thank you for coming in, Stephanie. I really appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.